You're listening to Shine On Policycast, Solar Power Europe's podcast that brings you EU solar policy updates in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, Bethany Maven, Head of Press and Policy Comms at Solar Power Europe. You can find me on Twitter at Solar Power Beth. And today we're joined by Lina Dubina, Policy Advisor at Solar Power Europe, who can be found on LinkedIn. Hi, Lena. Welcome to PolicyCast. Hi, Bethany. Thanks for having me here. So today we're going to talk about agri-solar, agri-PV. And before we kick off then, like maybe let's talk about those definitions and the different words that we use to describe this type of solar. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I think it's a very valid and an essential question to be asked. And I think what we define at the association is we use this umbrella term, which we call agri-solar, um, that we define as a specific market sector uh, that combines the PV installation together with um, sustainable agricultural practices. And to put it in another word, so to give you a couple of examples, it could be um, using PV panels on the agriculture sheds or on barn rooftops, etc. So allowing farmers to use the produced electricity and to use it for the agriculture activities, like for sustaining agricultural machinery. And then agri-PV and agri-voltaics comes underneath this umbrella term. Exactly. So that goes underneath the umbrella term and that is defined as a dual land use concept that co-locates the PV installations together with the agricultural activity. And I think what essential aspect is, is first of all, um, defining the sustainable agricultural concept. And number two, also either continuing or in uh, in some aspects improving the agriculture activity. So it sort of provides these benefits of energy production, but allows to continue agriculture activity on the same land. So that's, you know, solar panels and, uh, and grazing animals side by side, or solar panels over, over crops and protecting them. Exactly. It can be any type of agriculture activity. It can be different types of crops. It can be berries, palm trees, um, uh, wines, it could be also yeah, animal husbandry, as you said, different types of animal uh, or sheep grazing uh, to production together with the PV. So then what are the, what are the kind of benefits of, of, of pursuing this economic model for farmers? I mean, what, what's good for the animals? What good for, what's good for the crops? Uh, why would you want to pursue this kind of thing? Yeah, I think there are a lot of different benefits. Uh, I think the most I guess obvious one is, well, first of all, uh, you're supporting uh, transition to green energy. Um, you're allowing to decarbonize the sector and you're allowing to um, support the European targets that have been set to reach the climate neutrality by 2050. I think those are the most evident ones. But aside from that, we also have the environmental and social economic uh, benefits. Um, just to give you some examples, for instance, for environmental aspects, it could be land efficiency. So clearly, if you can locate PV together with agriculture land, that's going to increase land and resource efficiency. It could also be looking at water efficiency, um, and that tailors down to specific um, microclimates that's being, that's being triggered by the PV panel shading. And by um, generating these different type of uh, microclimates, uh, you sort of improve the water cycle. So you can, that affects then the soil temperature, moisture, and then in, in turn, that will then affect how much of water do you need to use for irrigation purposes. Right. So this is like the idea that solar doesn't just generate electricity, it generates shade. And when things are shaded, they're cooler and need less water. 
Exactly, exactly. And then on top of that, you can also uh, protect the crop. It can also, the PV panels can create the shade for the crops and protect against the different uh, weather conditions that we can see now because of the climate changing or the uh, global warming. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, what sort of examples are we, we looking at here? Is this uh, being used widely across Europe? I mean, uh, how are farmers using this in, in their day to day? I mean, you mentioned um, the types of weather conditions that we're seeing. So presumably that means where there's extreme temperatures and farmers are employing solar to protect their crops from extreme temperatures. I mean, are there some examples of farmers today using solar for exactly that method? Some case studies maybe you could share or... Yeah, absolutely. We had, for instance, uh, pilot projects uh, rolled out two years ago in, um, which was in Italy, Greece, and now they also show quite an improved benefits in terms of crop yield. Mm. So they uh, they see the improvement around sixty percent for the crop uh, growth okay. of crop yield. They also see the water efficiency, so they can see the uh, impacts of reducing water for irrigation by between 20 to 30 percent. And we see a lot of these projects uh, across Europe. We also see a lot of research and yeah, scientific research being done in that field, which uh, showcase a lot of good, um, potentially good benefits for the crop and for the PV production. And you, you know, you mentioned, and I think the irrigation point and the re- reduction of water consumption is a really important point because we're heading into the summer where there's likely to be quite extreme temperatures and there's a lot of concern about uh, drought. I mean, Spain and Italy are already seeing uh, drought conditions in parts of of the country. And um, obviously anything that we can do to reduce our water consumption is useful. But you also mentioned uh, soil and uh, there's a bit of a soil crisis as well. And solar and agri-PV then can, can support and protect our soil, I can understand. Yeah, exactly. There are also different research being conducted in terms of how can um, these different installations or agri-PV installations can also improve soil health, um, especially how can they contribute to carbon sequestration. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is still undergoing. So wouldn't be able to maybe pinpoint specific case examples, but I think that's also a big benefit that we're looking into uh, on how uh, how these installations can in particular support soil health. Okay, so... It's good for water consumption, good for soil health, increasing yield for farmers and helping us uh, transition the economy and decarbonize the energy sector. So <laughs> Absolutely. And I think one thing that we didn't mention yet is also the social economic benefits. Yeah. We mentioned it a little bit, but I think also the fact that well, yeah, the farmer can use the electricity so for self-consumption. Um, it can also use the revenues, uh, so it can also sell um, sell the electricity or feed it into the grid, and then use the revenues. Um, there are different types of business cases where also agrivoltaic uh, projects they uh, they create this revenue and they put that revenue into the community development, so they support rural developments. Um, there are also different type of uh, agrivoltaic projects that can create local jobs. They can support the local communities with producing local foods and local producers, etc. So I think it's a lot of different benefits that agrivoltaics can bring. Right. So then, uh, I mean, what what's being done at EU level? What's being done at national level? Like, what are the kind of front running EU countries in terms of of because it's it's still sort of an emerging segment right exactly so i think if you're looking at the european landscape it really varies like it varies across different member states in terms of either the pv installation capacity or in terms of regulatory frameworks 
um, so it's not evened out. But I think the biggest or the most emerging markets that we can see, it's definitely countries like France, Italy, Germany, Netherlands, um, also Spain. So where you see that they have not only rolled out different agrivoltaic projects, but they also have the support scheme um, from the governments, meaning that they have specific policy frameworks in place that either clarifies and has a setup of definitions of what is agrivoltaics, or like in Germany, they have specific standard developed that defines um, the quality of agrivoltaic projects. Or for instance, we're looking at Italy, where they're now using the European funds um, to boost agrivoltaic. So they received around 1.5 billion euros um, to support deployment of agrivoltaics. But then we also have other markets, for instance, like Austria or Croatia, um, where there's a lot of progress or initial progress is happening, but it's still not as mature of, of the countries yeah, that we just The path, pathway about. maybe isn't as clear as it is elsewhere in, exactly. in Europe. Um, so then what can policymakers, whether it's at EU level or at national level, do to really uh, accelerate the uptake of AgriPV? Because it seems like it's a win across the board. There doesn't seem to be that many drawbacks. Um, so what, what can we, we do to, to accelerate it? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's still a lot of support that it's needed from the policymakers, whether that's EU or national level. I think the number one thing is having the clarity and stability. So clarity in terms of having a clear definition, whether that's an EU-wide definition or whether that's a definition on the national level, that defines what exactly is agrivoltaics. And then number two, also having the type of standard that can allow to assess the different types of agrivoltaics. Um, and benchmark them against the other projects. And I think in terms of stability, again, having this policy framework that enables deployment of agrivoltaics. So not having these ever-changing regulations, but having or bringing stability to developers, to the farmers who want to deploy agrivoltaics. Right, so so clarity and stability are things we need. So then, what are the key moments coming up for AgriPV? Is, is, are there any relevance in current EU legislative processes? To be quite frank, I'll start off by saying that there's a lack of policy <laughs> developments coming up. Um, so, the, as we uh, saw last year, European Commission developed the European Solar Strategy, where they included an action point where they want to develop guidelines for innovative forms of solar, which also include agrivoltaics. And now they're in the process of developing the guidelines, which will be published in Q1 next year. But it's going to be looking more at the policy frameworks, looking at how different member states um, work in terms of agrivoltaic regulations, what are the best case examples, etc. Um, but it does mean that they are supporting by setting up an EU-wide mm. policy framework. It's more sharing the best practice rather than setting it. Exactly. They are working now with more publications. Uh, they are publishing yeah, different types of articles, so there's a bit of a support on that sense. Um, but there's no clear policy framework coming out that will just be looking at the agrivoltaics. Okay. Well, maybe that will change, you know, as we see uh, increasingly hot summers come up and uh, there's already been challenges from the farming community um, about uh, perhaps the energy transition, um, and this is a is a good solution. Okay, so then Q1 next year will bring this uh, in a bit of form of solar uh, guidance from the Commission to, to member states or whoever. But in the meantime, obviously, we're doing our part to kind of 
share the info and share the education on the opportunities of AgriSolar and AgriPV. Um, and yourself are working on a report. Uh, it's coming out soon. I think it will be out by the time uh, you're listening to this podcast. Um, so yeah, Lena, tell us a little bit about this report you're working on. Mm, absolutely. Um, so first, just to mention that we already produced our first AgriSolar Best Practice Guidelines report, which was uh, developed in 2021. So now what we're doing, we're developing an updated version of the first report that we read. So we're looking at um, the updates in terms of agrivoltaics, so what has happened in different member state countries in the last two years. So we're going to look at updates like uh, different pilot projects, demonstrators uh, that have been rolled out that are looking at innovative uh, aspects like different types of crops, different types of PV applications, etc. And then on top of that, we're also looking at uh, already existing projects in agrivoltaics um, where they have monitored different types of data in terms of the water efficiency, in terms of crop yield, etc. And then providing the data um, or providing the data on these benefits uh, that have been assessed. Oh, um, and so it's an update from, from a few years ago. Um, are you seeing that the landscape has changed quite a lot in the last couple of years in terms of the number of pilot projects, the, the amount of research that's available? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, first of all, agrivoltaics have gained such an attraction across the member state in Europe and uh, beyond. And I think we see so many different pilot projects um, coming out or that have already have been rolled out in Europe. We see so much research uh, coming in in terms of producing scientific papers. Um, so I think it's... Yeah, it's it's just blooming. Okay, great. So uh, it will be an exciting read when we we get to read it. I hope uh, so. <laughs> thanks so much, uh, Lena, for sharing your insights today. And uh, you can find the report on our website at uh, solarpowereurope.org. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Shine On Policycast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share on social media, tagging at solarpowereu.